As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and learn how to live a peaceful life with intentional mastery. Enjoy a survey of inspiring topics such as abundance, intention, health, manifestation, love, and transformation. It's all right here. Leading authors, speakers, coaches, entrepreneurs with stories and messages to support your well-being, let alone your most evocative dreams welcome to life mastery radio my name is todd allen and today i have my co-host sitting right next to me coach debbie debbie is a college writing instructor award-winning editor and a life coach good morning sweetheart oh well good morning i wasn't i wasn't expecting to be introduced so quickly How are you today? Yeah, I'm just kind of trying to change things up a little. Oh, okay. But we can't forget. Let's just take a minute. Get ourselves situated and relaxed. Maybe shake out some of the tightness in our shoulders and move your neck around and stretch it out. And let's take in a deep breath. Let that breath out with a big ah. Let your essence out into the universe. Let's do that one more time. Uh, I didn't hear Debbie again. She's over there giggling. You know that really works, though, Suter. I, 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 I commend you. I want you to continue to do things that really work for you. I encourage everybody just to sit there for a minute. And when you're quiet, just try that. I mean, it's just it's it's very invigorating, Invig- mm-hmm. invigorating. I do something similar in yoga. Yeah. Very similar. So who's our guest today? Our guest is Michael Neal. We're going to be talking with Michael Neal, the super coach. Did I ever tell you how I first heard about Michael Neal? Probably. Well, I'm going to tell you again. (laughs) One day, well, it, it was a day just like today. It was one of those first days of spring break. And I was kind of in mourning, saying goodbye to my students and getting ready for the next quarter, but I went into my local bookstore. And there, you know, they have the nice display table, all the new stuff. 
there's this book right there and it's got a, you know, a typical businessman and he's, you only can see him from neck to waist and he's basically just ripping open his suit and exposing his t-shirt and it says super coach on the front of it. It totally caught my attention and me being a writing teacher, I picked up the book and I remember just looking at it and thinking, you know, what, what could this possibly be about? I'm not really a, a business person. And I thumbed through it and it said, if Superman needed a coach, he'd hire Michael Neal. And I thought, well, hot dang, I'm buying this book. And it <laughs> went home with me. <laughs> and, and then eventually you, you studied coaching with Alan Cohen, who's a good mm-hmm. friend of mine and yours now mm-hmm. too. And he actually used that book. Required reading, required yeah. reading. So very happy to have Michael with us today. Become an avid Hay House listener too. Uh, he has his show also called Super Coach. But I think today we're going to dive more into the book I finished recently called The Inside Out Revolution. Yeah, it's a really, really neat book. Before we get mm-hmm. started, though, today's show page is at www.lifemasteryradio.net. And you don't have to worry about writing anything down because any links or websites that we talk about on the show today will post right up there. And Michael's show page is there for you to follow those links. While you're there, you can become a fan of the show. Just give us your name and email address. And the only thing we use that for is our newsletter, which we got to get one of those out here. Yeah, time. It's time. It's time to do that. You can follow links to our Facebook page and like us. And like you heard before the show, we really, 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 (laughs) can I stress that enough? Really, really appreciate feedback. We'd like to know how we're doing and what we can do better. Some cool guests that we can maybe invite on the show. It's just amazing. We are booked, what, through May? Mm, No, Sudia, I got us booked out till August. 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 So... Let us know who you'd like to hear on the show. Okay. I think we're done with housekeeping and chit-chat. Yeah, let's rock and roll. Let's ready go. to go. Mm-hmm. Michael Neal. Michael has spent 24 years as a coach, advisor, friend, mentor, and creative spark plug to separate celebrities. I like that creative spark plug. Mm-hmm. CEOs, royalty, and people who want to get more out of themselves and their lives. He is also the founder of the Super Coach Academy, an international school that teaches people how to coach from the inside out. Michael's books have been translated into 15 languages, and his public talks, retreats, and seminars have touched and transformed lives at the United Nations and on five continents around the world. Michael's weekly show, Super Coach on Hay House Radio, is a listener favorite with approximately 7,000 daily hits and is the most downloaded show on the network. Over 100,000 downloads a month. You can follow him on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll put those links up on the website. Michael, welcome to the show today. How are you today, my friend? I'm really well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's exciting, and... and um Tell us how, let, let's just start from the beginning a little bit. Where did you come from and how did you get <laughs> to where you're at? Maybe in, in the short version. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how long you got? Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually a um, Massachusetts boy originally. I was um, in, from a town called Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. And I did the sort of typical Massachusetts to Texas to London to LA thing. Um, so uh, I've, I've traveled around uh, a fair bit. 
but uh, I, my, my journey in terms of, you know, as it relates to the work that I do started really, I, I kind of have to start it when I was 19, and I, I'd been a, a depressed teen for pretty much from since I was a teen, from about 13 to, to 19, and then it got... It got to the point when I was 19 where it became um, suicidal ideation is the polite way of saying it. Um, but it got pretty bad inside my head. And I had a, a, a what I now kind of would call an epiphany at the time. I just thought it was funny um, <laughs> where I was, uh, you know, this sounds, there's a horrible way to introduce yourself to people. But so I was being sucked out of a fourth floor window by a giant vacuum cleaner in the sky, or so it felt to me at the time. And right. I, there was right. a phone there, and I called the suicide hotline because I kind of knew I was in trouble. I knew that that was not normal. And, uh, and I got a busy signal. And I thought that was so funny. I, I, like, like, I don't think any human being, no matter how loving or trained they had been, could have popped me out of what I was going through quicker than that busy signal did. And that kind of just, I don't know, that, that calmed me down. It, it, it brought me back. I, I felt... I felt okay. I called a friend to come get me and spent the night at, at her place. And, and the next morning, it dawned on me that I didn't want to kill myself. Now, what's weird about that is I'd been thinking about it for years, and I'd been terrified that I thought about it. And I realized just so clearly, I mean, he, he, like so obviously that I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it before, that just because I thought about it didn't mean I wanted to do it. And, and, and I, I started to just look at it as, oh, it's the suicide thought. And I started to notice that it came up whenever I felt really, really stressed. And it lost all its power overnight. I, I mean, literally, it just, the thought was still there, but it stopped seeming real. It stopped seeming scary. And I just became fascinated with the mind and, and, and how, how the mind worked. And I began studying all sorts of things, mostly in an effort to, to kind of feel better for a long time. And I was became an NLP trainer, and I was, you know, one of the, the top NLP trainers through the 90s and, and early 2000s. And, and then in 2007, I had, it wasn't really my second epiphany, but it was another one of those holy freaking mother of God, or as my, uh, my, my super coaches <laughs> like to call it, HFMOG insights. Where I, I realized um, that that well-being is the default setting for human beings. So I had spent, you know, 17 years professionally and, and over 30 years as a human trying to find things that would make me okay, that would make me happy, that would make me feel good or at least not feel bad. And I suddenly saw in that same kind of, I can't believe I've missed this way, that actually it's the default. It's where we all go back to when, when we're not caught up in our thinking. So in those moments where everything settles down inside our head, we all drop back into a kind of a natural state of well-being. And, and that fundamentally changed both my life and the direction of my work, because up until that point, everything that I taught and learned and, and practiced was all about taking something neutral with a tendency towards bad and making it better. So it was almost like taking something that was tilted towards the negative and doing all this work to tilt it towards the positive. And, and what I came to see is actually 
we rest in peace. We rest in well-being. You know, when we're not agitated, our natural state is clear. And that has implications everywhere. It has implications for the way we live our life because we spend much of our working lives trying to get things that we think will bring us those states of well-being and avoid states that, that are actually just thought-created. And I'll talk more about that if it comes up you know, as, as we go on. Mm-hmm. But also implications for creativity, implications for business success. You know, when you can show up to the table as your best self most of the time, and when you can catch on to your being out of whack, out of sync, out of your mind for a little bit, and not do damage when you're in that place, you can, you can move forward remarkably quickly, and you can do very, very well in the world. So it's, it's an incredible thing to see from a well-being perspective, but it's an incredibly practical thing to see from a, from a creativity and success perspective. And so it really changed the direction of my practice and my, my teaching, and that's, uh, that's been the basis of my work ever since. It's interesting, you know, I, I, I had this great visual that this busy signal stopped you dead in your tracks <laughs> and changed your thought. It, it, it truly changed your thought. Here you had this expectation and you were, your cage was rattled by a busy signal. Yeah, and I mean, I've never, you know, honestly, in all the years I've told that story and I even put it in my first book, that's the first time I've realized that the, the, the irony that it was a busy signal. Right. Yeah. You know, it was a signal that maybe I was a little too busy, busy up in my head. Busy, right. It was busy. <laughs> That's, That's what I love about it. <laughs> you know, you you introduced, let's just kind of explore this thought a little bit more because you introduced it in the, in the book so eloquently. And and that is, in in our worst times, you know, we reach that point of lowness and then all of a sudden, just like the busy signal, we find a place of peace and calm that's available all the time. Yet we had to go through all of that wallowing in that bucket of, you know what, to get there. Well, you see, what's interesting is we don't actually have to go through that. That's but a lot of us do. Is, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the, 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 what I liken it to is it's, it's, there's a built-in thermostat in the system. So, you know, thermostat, you know, once, once a certain variance from the from the ideal is reached the thermostat kicks in and either turns the heating on or turns the cooling on until the room returns to the temperature that that you want it to be at well we have a built-in thermostat you know there is a movement inside us towards towards health towards healthy thought towards healthy feeling and and it's just part of the intelligence of the system but most of us have the thermostat set so loosely that it needs to go way out of whack. The temperature needs to be like 10, 15 degrees too hot or too cold before the system kicks in and, and brings it back. And what you can learn, and, and, and often the learning is as simple as seeing how it works, is, is to reset the thermostat, to recalibrate the thermostat so it doesn't have to go very far out of whack at all before it resets, before it it kicks in and brings you back to your health. And that's, that's what I found. That's what, that's what my clients and the people I work with have found is that when you start to catch on to the fact that this system is already there, it's not something you have to learn or, or, or add in or install. 
it's factory, you know, it's a factory setting. It's a factory default. We're born happy. We're born with this. That, that it starts to come in earlier and earlier, and you start to find that you go out of whack for a couple of hours, and then the system brings you back home. Instead of having to go a couple of days, a couple of years, a couple of lifetimes. I don't know how long it could go. Right, right. <laughs> you're, you're taking me back because right. I, was, I was taught to begin to pay attention to what I was paying attention to. And I can remember paying attention to my attitudes, emotions, and behaviors. And in, in some of these tyrannical, not really rages, but I was having fun being being a dick, I guess. <laughs> but I was noticing it and saying, you know. That's actually the story. That, 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 that could be a lot of people's autobiography think. Having fun being a dick. The story of. Yeah. Fill in yeah. the name. And my I, life. I can remember that, and but I can remember observing it, and it's like you know this really isn't the way that you want to be, and 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 I, I was observing myself having fun doing it, and and that's what really rattled me out of that. It was like this is not good. Yeah, when we learn that we can observe ourselves, and that that we're not we're not our feelings necessarily. Exactly, you know? it was we're, amazing. We're watching ourselves. I I really want to talk about this whole notion i i learned from michael about you know thought comes first and then feelings you know we don't it's not the other way around and and it was really something i had never thought about but i remember i remember spending so many years waiting to travel abroad i was i was 35 before i ever went abroad and waited my whole life and here, you know, I arrive with my brother in Paris, but it's a time of grief in my life. And it, it took days, I mean days, for me to really start to experience the joy of the trip. And then, you know, many years later and in a much more spiritual place, I remember feeling so connected uh, in my life, uh, going through customs, being searched, so connected, so happy, <laughs> uh, just having a great experience over there, the whole thing. It was as though you couldn't bring me down. But I didn't know the, the whole science behind it. And Michael in his book, The Inside Out Revolution, really talks about the idea that thought gives way to our feelings. And I would just love for you to explain that to us, how it works and how we can come back to that default so naturally. Yeah, I, and, it, and it's remarkable that it, this is, again, you know, I love the phrase, the elusive obvious, because when people start to see how thought really works, it it's very apparent to them, and yet we live in it all the time, so we don't see it. You know, there's that great Marshall McLuhan quote, I don't know who discovered water, but it probably wasn't a fish. Right? Because we live in the feeling of our thinking. In other words, we're surrounded by thought. Our whole world is constructed of thought. We don't see thought. We see the form that thought takes. We see, it's like the thoughts are tattooed on our eyeballs. And so everything we see already has thought in it. It, it, it doesn't feel like it because we're. It, it looks solid, you know. We can, we can touch it. And for me, I think the reason sometimes people question the 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 thought feeling connection and whether it's thought first or feeling first is because they, their their definition of thought is 
creative thought, conscious thought. And, and so when I talk about thought, I sometimes mark it out with a capital T as opposed to a small t because it's, it's, it's a, a formless energy thought. It's, it's the energy of life. It's the raw material of form. It's the raw material of what we experience. And so the simplest metaphor that, that most people seem to connect with is, is if you imagine the mind to be a projector, like a movie projector. Now, we don't normally think of the mind that way. We think of the mind as a camera. So we think the mind is a camera, and, and it, there's, an, uh, there's a real world out there, and we're photographing it and experiencing it pretty close to the way it is. We kind of know we can do some Photoshop in our heads, but mostly we think <laughs> we're photographing what's out there and then, and then running with it. But the mind is actually much more like a projector than a camera, which means that what's out there is just consciousness. And until something gets projected into consciousness, there's no experience. There's just the experience of pure consciousness, which is also the experience of pure bliss. So you can think of consciousness as the, the sort of screen that things get projected onto. And like when you get caught up in a movie, even though you kind of know it's a movie, you feel things as if they're really happening. You feel scared at a scary movie and you laugh at a funny mm-hmm. movie. Well, thought is the film. So thought is literally what creates the experience that we then feel in our feelings. And, and so um, it, it's kind of remarkable when you start to see it because you start to realize that feelings therefore become incredibly useful because they give us a, a read on how real our thinking is looking to us. So when we're really mm-hmm. caught up, when we're really you know, upset or angry or scared, that's an absolute guarantee of knowing, wow, I got a lot of thinking going on and it's scary thinking or it's happy thinking or it's angry thinking. And that's all that's happening. And when that, when that changes, the feeling will change and I'll, I'll see more clearly. Now, the less thinking there is in the way of the light, the more the light of the projector is just shining clear and we're experiencing clarity. We're experiencing a purer consciousness, the easier it is to navigate because we're literally seeing more clearly. It's like the, you know, at the beginning of the show, they were playing the show in my ear and you guys were trying to talk to me and I couldn't hear because I, I had the show in my ear. Well, it's the same kind of thing. When, we, when we've got this film going on and, and we're in it and it's, it's all so real, we miss what's going on behind the scenes. We miss the we miss our own inner wisdom talking to us. We miss what's obvious right in front of us. We miss the, the fear in our child's eyes, and we, we get mad at them for something that they do. We, we miss the love in our partner's eyes, and, and so we think that you know, they're, 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 there's a problem there that there really isn't. We miss the, you know, the confusion in our, in our coworkers' eyes, and so we respond to what they've said instead of seeing that in that moment they're just not seeing clearly. And we get lost in, in, in thought. And the beautiful thing Isn't is, the, the second, the millisecond, you pop out of the movie, you wake up from the dream, the fever breaks, you're right back home. You're right back you are in, right in back well-being. Home. He has this great example, too, Todd, of, of the French being in the movie theater. And, you know, they start the movie with... Uh, a vision of a train, you know, 
on this on the screen and it's the train coming in the direction of the people and everybody got up and jumped and ran out of the movie theater because right. it's, you know, it, it's that. so real. Yeah. It's so real. And, and yet we experience that in our life, that moment that we wake up and go, I'm just thinking this stuff. I'm just replaying my past. I'm just replaying what I think should be or could be instead of being here. Yeah. You know, I, Michael, I, I really find it interesting that sometimes when I'm working with people and or they're they're in my life about this, that they just want to hang on to that desperation. They they the, the obvious is there, like you said, and they don't want to realize that. They just want to hang in this like they want to make friends with desperation. Yeah, they don't want exactly. to choose that. And it just always amazes me that the obvious is obvious, but yet they want to hang in this place of dark desperation. Well, and I and I I really think that what that comes down to nine times out of ten is they don't realize that when they let it go, what comes next isn't worse. <laughs> you know what exactly. comes next is both peace, both the quiet, both. A, a greater sense of the space inside which thoughts arise, but also new thought. And that new thought brings new experience with it. There's a great Richard Bach, in the, I don't know if you are Richard Bach fans, but in his book Illusions, he tells a story at the beginning of this, these little creatures who cling to the side of the river. And one of the little creatures just looks out at the river every day and thinks, oh, I'd love to let go. I'd love to just let the river carry me. It's exhausting clinging to the side. And whenever he talks to one of his friends about it, they go, no, no, you don't want to do that. You'll be crushed to death on the rocks and you'll, you know, it'll be horrible. And one day he just, he just decides, you know, I, I just got to let go. And he lets go. And just like his friend said, he's crushed into the rocks. But then the water carries him free of the rocks. And he realizes he's okay. And he begins to experience the freedom of flowing with the river. And then a couple miles downstream, so the river carries him. There are people who see him just floating and playing in the river, these other creatures who cling to the side of the river. And they look at him and they go, oh, look, it's the Messiah come to set us all free. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful story because of it, the simplicity of it. It really is just a case of when we let go of trying to control the experience, trying to control the thinking, trying to make ourselves eternally feel better and never feel bad. What actually happens, the freedom we experience beyond control, is everything we dreamt of and more. Yes. And yes, it's the, we need the, the to comedy of it about is this. that it's always available. Yes. Let's go to break, Todd, and have a talk about this. I, I'd really love to get into how this, how this, uh, manifests when we bring the concept of privilege into it as well. Okie dokie. Well, let's yeah. take a break and we'll have more with Michael Neal right after this. time to visit our Facebook page and like us. If you're saying no, it's time to change that answer. What's great about Contact Talk Radio's Facebook page is the fact that so many people are contributing helpful information to it. 
Not only does the staff at Contact Talk Radio update the page throughout the day, but so do our hosts. You'll know when shows are live and what the show's topic is. If a host is doing readings, you'll know when to call in and what number to use. Or maybe one of our hosts just wants to share some words of wisdom or a picture to brighten your day. You won't know what's waiting for you unless you visit our page. Go to Facebook.com slash CTR Network and like us. That's Facebook.com slash CTR Network. Happy Facebooking. Hi, my name is Cameron Steele, and I am one of the owners of Contact Talk Radio. If you or your organization would like to make a difference around the world globally, then let us help you get your name recognized around the world. Contact Talk Radio has been broadcasting around the world since 2001 and continues to spread uplifting, lighthearted, and enjoyable programming to people from across the globe. If you would like more information on becoming a sponsor and would like to participate in getting your message recognized globally, then send an email to info at contacttalkradio.com radio.com or call Cameron at 425-221-3646. Again, send an email to info at contacttalkradio.com or call me at 425-221-3646. And visit our website often for updates and changes that are always occurring at Contact Talk Radio, www.contacttalkradio.com. That's www.contacttalkradio.com. Did you know that you can rate our shows on iTunes? Yep, you can share your thoughts about the topics, the hosts, and the special guests. You can also leave a suggestion. Then, when you're done, rate the show. The hosts love your feedback, and others appreciate it. So next time you download a show, take a second to leave your thoughts and rate it. Welcome back to Life Mastery Radio. And if you heard during that break, leave your thoughts. We'd like to hear what your thoughts are about the show. So give us some feedback. And today's show is all about thoughts. If you missed the first half of the show, it will be in iTunes here in just a couple hours. And you can download it as a podcast and listen to it at your leisure. Today, our guest is Michael Neal. And he's wrote, written an amazing book called uh oh the inside, inside out revolution, revolution as well as others yeah <coughs> welcome to our guest Delmazine, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> i found this really cool testimonial that i wanted to share because it's by somebody that everyone will know every time i stop and take a breath i automatically relax i can feel my shoulders coming down my body feeling calmer and my mind becoming quiet that's what my experience of reading this book was like, taking a long, slow breath. I read it in one, I read it in one sitting, and by the end, I was calmer, more relaxed, and reminded of one of life's most, most important truths. I encourage you to read this delightful and profound book and discover that truth for yourself. And that was written by Jack Canfield, New York Times bestselling author of mm, Chicken Soup for the good Soul. Endorsement, yeah. Oh yeah, very I thought nice. that was and it's so it's it's very true. Did you find that when you read the book? Oh my goodness, Todd, you, you saw my Kindle version. It's more yellow and highlighted than anything <laughs> else. I'm always telling my students, be careful with that highlighter pen. It's gonna be hard to find things if you color up your books too much and <laughs> Yeah, mine's mine's very noted up with lots of lots of notes you know, and margins. 
It, it was really fun yeah. when I when I reached out to people asking for for testimonials for the book, especially with people like Jack, who I don't really know very well. I you know I'd, I'd interviewed him once. Um, I asked him for five minutes. I said, I said, look, I I genuinely think this is something you haven't read before, and this is something that you will, you know, will 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 matter to you. Give it five minutes, and if after five minutes you you don't see that, then no harm, no foul. But but if you do, then I'd I'd love it if you'd let me know what you think. And and it was amazing how many people gave me the five minutes and then wound up giving me the next hour and a half to finish the book and 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 then went back and reread it. I mean, Gay Hendricks actually called me in the middle of the night. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I said the same thing to him, and he was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> it, was, it was really nice because it was because they were heartfelt. They were they were offered rather than than bartered for, and that was that was a right. lovely thing. Well, exactly, Michael. And one of the things I I teach is is helping people understand that they are on their heroic journey, and I I feel that your book really does that. It it helps people understand that. Whether they've chosen it or not, I, I think we all choose it on some level, but that, that we are on it. We are moving along on our journey and with these tools you offer, we're going to enjoy that journey just so much more. Before I think, the break, I, I, I think it, it's, it's right. And I think for me, one of the big shifts was kind of seeing that it wasn't tools. You, you know, I, I was the, the king of technique. You know, I, 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 in my NLP days, I sort of, if you needed a technique for something, you could come to me and within five, ten minutes, I'd be able to give you one if I didn't already have one ready for you. Because it looked to me like that was the, the key, was having the right tool for the job. And, and what I came to see is that it, it, it's less like a toolbox and more like access to a, to a, a deep, deep well. It goes all the way to the, to the core of our being, to the, to the intelligence behind life, what I sometimes call the deeper mind. And if, you're, if, you're, if the well is always there, if you know that you can go to the well any time you need, you don't need to carry around a separate toolbox with you. You don't need to carry bottled water when you've got the well. And, and that, was, that was a big shift for me, um, to, to really kind of let go of all the tools, to let go of all my my uh, little rituals and, and, and techniques and see that I, I could actually just be there in the moment and whatever I needed would appear. And, and learning to trust that has been exciting and at times scary, but it's, it's meant that I can walk into pretty much any situation with anyone and, and be really comfortable, not because I know what I'm going to do, but because I know that I don't need to. Right. Exactly. And I, I think you have helped people understand that that is so for them, regardless of, of their situations. Uh, before the break, we were, we were discussing this and I really wanted to add the component of privilege to it. Um, are you, are you guys familiar with the, the movie, The Human Experience? Mike Todd? Either. I'm not. Hmm. It's a great story where these guys go out. They decide they they want to leave their foster home and they want to know what it's like for others to live. So they decide, oh, for a month we're going to be homeless in New York City and see what that means. And they discover it. And then they decide we're going to go and 
and uh, live in South America and see what it means to work in an orphanage. And they end their journey with, we're going to go and see what it, it feels like to live in a leprosy camp, I think in Gambia. And and so they come back all the wiser at, you know, the age of 20. And what they discover is the incredible happiness among all the people they meet because of this wealth of knowledge. I, I don't even think knowledge is the right word, but this wealth of love that these people have within themselves and that they tap into and share that that love and in the community all the time. It's it's all they have. It's all they know that they have. Even though they don't have money and health, they have love. And, and I just, one of the things you said that was so important about your work is creativity. I find this to be an extremely creative and blessed way to live. And was just wondering what you had to say about that privilege and how it comes into all this. Well, there's a couple of different ways that I'm hearing the word privilege and what you're saying. So I'll just speak to what I hear, and then you can you can kind of redirect. But, you know, I think there's something that, if we're lucky, we come to see at some point in our lives, which is that life itself is a privilege. And life itself is enough. You know, I wake up, <clears throat> I feel alive. It's great to feel alive. And that's enough. Like anything, anything else that might come during the day is just a bonus. There's also privilege in the, in the sense of societal privilege that often actually works against, it adds layers of noise on top of this cushion of well-being that sometimes makes it harder to see. And it's almost like, you know, and I, I don't know if that was in the movie at all, but if they're coming from foster homes, it probably wasn't. But when I work, I work with some of the wealthiest people in the world, as well as, as, as people from all over the, the financial spectrum and, and all around the world. And, and it's interesting that, that very often uh, the people who have experienced a lot of wealth and privilege are more disconnected um, yeah. from, from this innate well-being. Now, what's interesting is once they see it, they're not anymore. It doesn't actually stop you from experiencing your innate well-being. But for many people, it, it's almost like they haven't, they haven't looked because everything was fine. You, you know, it, 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 it's like there's an old joke about, you know, this family, and they were really worried about, you know, their little boy because he didn't speak until, and, and you know, the, you know he's, he was three and a half years old, and he still hadn't spoken. And, and one day they're sitting at dinner, um, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, this little kid sitting at dinner and he's picking at his food and he says, these potatoes are cold. And the family just <laughs> freaked out. They're like, oh my God, you can talk? Where, you know, why haven't you said anything before now? And he said, well, everything was fine up until now. Yeah. Right, right, My world right. was groovy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and so there's, there's something, you know, there's, there's a bizarre kind of a gift in in the challenges that we have. I mean, I you know, I used to say about my depression that it was something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Nice. Oh yeah. I understand um, that. You know, and, I and was a very, those very things really are true to this day. It really I would if I could wave a magic wand and take depression and, and, and bipolar disorder and the various mental things I went through away 
from people, I would do it. And yet for me, without that, I don't know how long it might have taken me to see what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I think, yes. you know, whether, whether, whether it's mental conditions or environmental conditions or, or familial conditions that, that, that we find ourselves in, the opportunity in any condition is, is to see what's really creating our experience. In other words, the thought behind the feelings, as opposed to getting lost in, in eternally trying to control or change the conditions. And the irony is that as people um, kind of see that their stress is not in the world, it's in their thinking, their, the pressure they're feeling is not in their job, it's in their thinking, the, the, the upset that they're feeling is not in the other person, it's in their thinking. It doesn't make them less compassionate or disconnected to life. It does exactly the opposite. Because when we're not scared, we can face life full on and fearless. When we're not scared, we can take on conditions that, that you know, of hunger and of homelessness and, and whatever it is that we see, and we can respond to them powerfully. Instead of responding to them out of our own fear and insecurity and anger, which burns bright but then burns out, it, it's just we're in the hum of our well-being, and we see a condition that we want to correct, and we correct it. And it's a very, very different approach, but it's one that's far more sustainable and impactful over time. And it's important to know it's a, it's a total game changer, Michael. And, you know, I'm I'm really curious. I know you've worked with a lot of people and from different sects of different well, yeah, different sexes and different sectors of of um, society. society. Does anything come to mind? What I'm trying to paint is a picture for our listeners of, of what the results are of a person that gets it. And I, don't, oh, I really I don't mean, even want to yeah, get energy I'll, to waking up. I, I can share a couple of just very different stories that all point to the same thing. So I, I went and spoke to um, the gang unit of a maximum security prison uh, back in August. And uh, they, they, one of the people there had, had gotten my book, so they all had my book. <laughs> they asked me to come in and speak, and I was like, yeah, nice. that sounds great. I brought my son That's up, cool. who's 19, and, you know, I just thought it would be great for him to see. And, and I sat with these guys for a couple hours and, and talked to them about this. And, and a guy came up to me in the break to get his book signed, and, and, and he said to me, you know, who knew I would have to come to prison to learn to be free? And that was that was just so moving for for me and and for him to see that freedom really is a state of mind. Freedom really is what it's our birthright, and and no condition can take it away. Now to contrast that, you know, I I was working with a client, uh, an actress, and you know, very successful, um, but but just always always felt like you know other people held her fate she kept trying to increase her power in hollywood because you know oh well you know once i'm the the producer then i'll then 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 i'll be free to do what i really want oh well okay then i need to be the executive producer okay well no if i fund the film myself and she kept finding that whatever level of of theoretical power she reached she didn't have the freedom that she wanted and and just through a few conversations she came to see that the freedom was inside. The freedom had nothing to do with her position. It looked like it did, 
But when that thinking went away that made it look like that, what was left was freedom. And, and it just calmed her so much because she realized, I don't need to keep chasing this outside of myself. And she relaxed into her life. And the funny thing is, a lot of us have really great lives. And, you know, something I said to her that I've said to clients before is, you know, wouldn't it be a shame to have a wonderful life and not notice? And that's <laughs> yes. what a lot of us in our culture are up against. Not that, not that we have so much restriction, but that we have such freedom. We have such a great life. And we don't notice because we're continually chasing the next thing. And, uh, and it, yeah, so it was we interesting. Don't feel you know, I just, those gifts necessarily. Well, and that's the thing is it, 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 it doesn't matter the reality. Like when I was, when I was going through mm. the worst of my depression, I knew it wasn't my life. My parents loved me. You know, we had enough. The potatoes weren't cold very often. You know, <laughs> I knew it wasn't mm-hmm. circumstance, but it, mm-hmm. it still looked to me like it was something outside of me that was causing it. It looked to me like all the feelings that I was feeling that were so difficult and so uncomfortable were coming from, even if it was my thinking, my thinking was the enemy then. My thinking was outside of me. And I didn't realize until, until that moment with the, the busy signal that thought in and of itself is impotent. Thought doesn't have any power. The power is in consciousness. The power is in thought brought to life via the senses. Right. And, and when, when you start to see the impotence of thought, you, it doesn't matter so much what you're thinking. You don't have to control your thoughts and only think positive. It's, it's, it's like trying to control the background noise. It doesn't matter what channel the TV is on if you're not watching. Exactly. And Michael, you know, this is... It, it really and it was is kind of revelatory for me to realize that I could, I could be in the world and function really well in the world without thinking being my primary way of doing it. Right. I, I learned as a child because I, I was bullied so much and I, I'm writing this book. I'm, I'm albino. And so my book is called whitey. And, mm-hmm. uh, that was one of my great names as a kid. And, and one of my girlfriends was trying to get, you know, it out of me, kind of coaching me along. You know, who is your greatest bully? Who is the biggest one? Who who really made you see the change? And I said, me. My greatest bully was me. It, it doesn't matter how many kids, you know, threw me on the ground and rubbed gum in my hair and pulled up my dress and tried to see how white I was, anything like that. The The greatest bully was me because I just couldn't find the the flow of life. And where, where I was, you know, I couldn't see that I wasn't giving myself permission to really live and be and find joy. Uh, I just, I couldn't see that at all. I, I bought into all the stories on the outside. And, and I think that, that your prisoners are really sharing a very similar idea of, who would ever expect that they could find freedom in those cells? But that's a real spiritual experience. Well, I think, you know, what we've, I don't know that we've been dancing around, but we certainly haven't said explicitly is life is a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think one of the problems is that the, the word spirit has been um, 
not deliberately, but it's been co-opted by, by religion and the New Age. So it, it's like people are afraid of the word spiritual, lest we think that we're preaching, or lest someone think that we're, we're too out there. And yet spiritual is, spirit is natural. Spirit is the energy of life. You know, without all the, the sort of noise and dogma around it, spirit is our nature. And so to not talk about spirit, is, is, it's, it's like actually when I was, uh, you know, when I first admitted to, um, you know, to the faculty that I was, I was suicidal at, at the university that I was at, they wanted to kick me out of the school because for liability reasons they couldn't have suicidal students. <laughs> But but I had you know I had a lot of uh, there were a lot of people who cared about me there and and you know they they struck a deal with the school on my behalf that as long as I went to mandated therapy three times a week I would be allowed to stay enrolled. Now the catch was state law at the time and I think this has changed but was such that if I talked about suicidal ideation in my therapy sessions the therapist was legally obligated to report me to the school and I would be kicked out. So I had to go to therapy three times a week, but I wasn't allowed to talk about what was going talk on. Talk about it. <laughs> and, and so, I, you know, that, that, that didn't work, unsurprisingly. But it's kind of yeah. like that with spirit. It's like if we think we're not allowed to talk about spirit, and yet we're trying to talk about the essence of what makes life work and what makes life worth mm-hmm. living, we're kind of stuck. We are. Because that is the yeah. essence of life. The, our essential nature is both spiritual and human. And to try and talk about one without the other is, is, you know, it's like talking about a, you know, I think I use the analogy in the book, uh, you, you know, it's, it's like, do you want a car with a steering wheel or with tires? With tires, right. right. <laughs> or a motor, you, you know, right. It, you're not going anywhere without both. And we're right. not going anywhere you know in life trying to be pure spirit when we're embodied as humans. And we're not going anywhere in life trying to just be human without any sense of the larger spirit that connects us. And that's as true in humanism. That's not a religious thing. Humanists would talk about the same thing. They would talk about the human spirit, you know, or the communal spirit. But it's always talking to, everyone is pointing to whatever it is that is larger than us, that is behind life. And, And our connection with that, the extent to which we have a sense of that at work, throughout our lives, is the sense to which life flows, and the sense to which we feel cut off from that, and that it's all about us, and, it's, and we've got to, we, if it's to be, it's up to me, and all that lovely-sounding empowerment stuff tends, for most people, to just cut them off further and further and further from the flow of spirit. It does for me, and, that's for And sure. not recognizing, you know, you reminded me of our, our, our words, you know, our words automatically generate thought, just like you were talking about spirit and, and how it really has gotten a bad rap, maybe. I don't know that we want to give energy to that, but we hear words, we think words, and they automatically create thoughts that might not be conducive to good thought behavior. Well, in a way, like like that way madness lies, because, and I don't, I don't mean that... It, 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 let me see if I can explain that. Right. You know, words do create thought, but they create different thought in everyone. And and so really what that, that that's why <laughs> understanding that we're living in six and a half billion separate realities is so useful. So it's not so much that the fact that the, the that, that people have habitual thinking 
connected to various words to, to how they make sense of it that's problematic, or that the words themselves are problematic. And I think probably I'm, I'm the one who put that impression out there. But it's just recognizing that behind all that, the space inside of which all that drama takes place is ever-present, eternal, unchanging, and, and therefore one of the few things in life that we can always rely on. Like you can rely on a very few things in life. One is that there's a, a deeper intelligence behind the system that is ever-present and always unfolding. The second is nice. we think, <laughs> and we live in the experience <laughs> of that thinking 24-7. And, and the third is that our capacity to, to experience and understand where our experience comes from and, and this larger whole that we are a part of is ever-expanding and contracting. And that when we're expanded into it, when we experience more of it, when the aperture is open wider, life seems expansive and effortless and free. And when it contracts, life seems tight. Life seems difficult. Life seems hard. And if we know that that's always going on, the expansions get even wider and the contractions stop hurting so much because we see them for what they are. Nice. And life just gets easier to manage. And my favorite quote, the quote that I have at the very front of the Inside Out Revolution, is if the only thing people learned was not to be afraid of their own experience, that alone would change the world. It really is true, Michael. And I'm oh so glad goodness. you put that there. This so hour true. is gone. No, can't be. <laughs> it is. Oh, Michael, I really want you to consider coming back on Life Mastery Radio because I know we have a lot more that we could talk about. This hour has just gone by so quick. and Same I, time next year? Same time next year. <laughs> Absolutely. I really appreciate you and honor you, and, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a treat. You guys are a lot of fun. Yeah, and so are you. Great really grateful for your work and showing up in the world. And I'm so glad you got that busy signal. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> oh, Debbie, any takeaways? We have about two minutes. Well, I just want to iterate this this lovely super coach tip Michael has at the back of his book. It made such a difference for me. He talks about uh, you know just be with your loved ones. Consider not trying to fix them, not trying to change them, but being with them, really seeing them, and allowing them that space to find within so that they fly, because that is our default setting, is to really just fly and be and not not be so controlled by these thoughts. <laughs> I changed it a little, so I hope I didn't lose his essence, but <laughs> but it really made an impact on me. Nice. It is all about thoughts. You know, if you look around, thoughts are things. Everything. If you look around, everything was a thought at mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. And I'm a believer that every thought that was, every thought that will be exists right here, right now. And I think that's Michael's main comeback to. It's all about being in the here and the now. That's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell your friends about it. And remember... Make it a great day. It's all about a thought and, of course, a choice. Bye-bye for now.
Thank you for tuning in to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and learn how to live a peaceful life. For more information on Todd and his guests, visit his website at www.lifemasteryradio.net. That's www.lifemasteryradio.net. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.